0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I think a lot of joy requires at least some chaos.
1: Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I'm John R. Bray.
2: And I am Heather B. Armstrong.
1: And today, there is a third voice joining us. We have Susie Brown with us. She is a lot of different things, and she excels at each of them. But in particular, she is a singer-songwriter, and she has a new album coming out on May 12th called Sometimes Your Dreams Come True and we wanted to have her on because in addition to being a singer-songwriter, she is a mom and also a cardiologist because that's kind of a fun thing to toss in there. <laughs> and we we both want to hear more from her about how she how she juggles all of those things and you know her creative process because there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover between writing like what Heather and I do, and songwriting, like what Susie does. So before I continue to ramble on and on, Susie, I will let you say hello and, and introduce yourself.
0: Thanks. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, so my name's Susie Brown, and everything that you said was true, except that my album's name is co- it's called Sometimes Your Dreams Find You. Do you have that wrong, John?
1: I, no, I totally do. I just...
0: No biggie.
1: I do. I apologize. That's
0: okay. I just didn't want someone to go try and look for it and not find it. So I, yeah, so I'm a cardiologist part-time and a mom part-time and a wife part-time and a singer-songwriter part-time. That's a lot of
1: part-times. And each of those is impressive, but I like that you just casually, you're like, yeah, I'm just part-time cardiologist. <laughs> you know. So how did that all come to be, though? I mean, I guess which which of those four full-time, part-time roles came first, and then how did the others trickle in? The
0: cardiology came first. While I had always loved, loved music and loved singing, I was hell-bent on a career as an academic physician, and I ended up going into cardiology. But as my training progressed, I felt more and more of a tug towards music and started writing songs towards the end of my cardiology fellowship and had a kind of crisis of conscience where I just couldn't picture working full-time as a cardiologist for the rest of my life. I I just felt like I couldn't live without music and writing songs and performing my songs. So I made, it was actually easier than you might think, but I made the decision to leave, you know, where I was training. I finished my fellowship, but I left and um, started a part-time job to make more time for music. And that was back in 2014, no, 2009. So I plugged along as a part-time cardiologist and part-time musician. And then about a year later, I met my husband, Scott. And then we got married a year after that. And then our first daughter, Josephine, came in 2014. And our second daughter came in 2015. And that's how it all... Back to back. Yep. Wow. You're throwing babies into the mix is just so easy. Oh, so easy. Oh, yeah. Just a piece of cake.
1: (laughs) In addition to not really sleeping with kids, I imagine that when you're playing, that's also late nights. So you're just kind of up, and and you're a part-time cardiologist. So you're just basically, you never sleep.
0: I just basically don't sleep. Luckily, I have a lot of practice not sleeping from my medical training. But actually, the truth is we don't perform nearly as much as, I mean, I used to perform a ton, and I don't nearly as much anymore since I've had kids. And it's just a, a temporary thing while they're young. It's partly that I'm just so sleep deprived. I can't be up that late. And it's partly that I just want to be home with them. So we tour. When we just had Josephine, my older daughter, we did about three tours that year with her. And I was pregnant on two of them. And then once Chloe, my second daughter, came, we only managed to do one tour last year. We brought both girls and our nanny. (laughs) Um, And this year we're going to do again one tour in the summer. So And we, we still play around Nashville, but I don't perform nearly as much as I used to.
2: Okay, so we'll get to the Nashville part in just a second. Mm -hmm. But when you say that you're going on tour with your children, so are you guys in a a tour bus?
0: We bought a family truckster last year when we had Chloe. It's a Dodge Durango. So it's like an SUV with three rows. And I'll just give you a visual of last year. It took us about four hours to pull out of the driveway, but it was me and Scott (laughs) in the front, Chloe and Josephine, our two daughters, and our nanny, Beth, in the second row, my mother-in-law in the third row and then all of our stuff packed in the second half of the third row and in a roof rack. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) God. It was total chaos. Yep. Wow. Do you stay in hotels? Do you camp? We (sighs) mostly last year, um, we played shows in and around Philadelphia, which is where we're originally where we used to live. Um, And our former neighbor happened to be away when we were there, so we moved into her house. And my nanny stayed with the kids there. And Scott and I just drove to our shows, sometimes up to an hour there and back. But it just created a little bit more of a stable environment for the kids. Nice. This year, I'm planning the tour right now. It's going to be a little more geographically varied. So we stay with friends. We stay in hotels and stay with family. Just a mix. I did not really actively start traveling with my
2: children until my older daughter could I could at least like turn to her and go fix it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like there's a problem. Help me fix this problem. Like I didn't start traveling until she was old enough. How is it traveling with them? I mean, on a tour especially
0: with them being so young. I we couldn't do it with two kids without our nanny Beth. It would be impossible. It was possible with mm-hmm. Josephine when it was just one one child. And it was possible only if I didn't plan more than a four hour drive a day. But Once you had two kids in the mix, one of whom was in the middle of being potty trained and said she needed to pee every 15 (laughs) minutes in the car, it really was impossible to make it more than four hours a day. So I just plan the tour accordingly. You know, I just plan days off. I plan lots of travel days and I figure whatever shows we play is going to be much better than not playing them at all. So I just moderate my expectations about how many shows we can do in the tour so that we can keep doing it.
2: Yes, Moderate your expectations. Mm-hmm. Which is like <laughs> right. Yes. And I like that you admit about I mean, having a nanny makes such a huge difference uh, in your ability to get things done. There's no way
0: I could have my life I couldn't there's just no way I could do any of what I do without our nanny. She's amazing. I'm so grateful I to have, have her.
2: Oh yeah. In the in the years that I've had, I've called them babysitters because of the judgment heaped upon me by saying that i
0: have a nanny like my baby she's she's honestly like family i mean when we leave and when we leave and the kids stay with her um we've left we've left them overnight with her several times and i feel like we're leaving them with family it's Mm -hmm. we're so lucky that way but you you can't do anything without help you just really can't
2: right I I I like that we are acknowledging that because so many times we we see especially um, other people doing it either online or celebrities on television, and you think, how do they have that life? Well, they've got
0: even without a job or two careers, like I have. I think it would be hard to just be a mom all the time without any help. I mean, it is hard. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Yes, it is, and it stays. It stays that way even as they get older. It just. I mean, Heather and I have talked about this before, but. You know, the problems, the number of problems or challenges mm-hmm. decrease, but the complexity just increases right. exponentially. Right, I can't imagine.
2: Wait until they start their periods. Oh, my God. You don't have oh to God. deal with that with Lexan.
1: I, I don't and have no. to deal with that, no.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of estrogen in this house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh
1: tours. my god. Those will be the fun tours for Scott with with you and the two girls and your mother in law and oh, it's a
2: tr- it's a traveling a traveling Lilith fair, is what it is. <laughs> right? It is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it's so great that you can bring. I mean, you're you're bringing everything, but mm-hmm. but your house. I mean, you're bringing everyone that you're really close to with you when you tour. Which I mean, maybe it's more common than I know, but I feel like it's just. Usually one of the one of the two parents is the the musician or the songwriter, or the singer, and they go and tour right and come home, but the family stays, but it's awesome that you can bring them.
0: I would never leave my kids when they're this young. I just can't do it. I Some people have less of a hard time, but I just can't I just can't be away <laughs> from them for that long. It would just break my heart into a million pieces. Um, I you know I'm away from them when I need to be, but I would never leave them at this age for like two weeks at a time it's just too much
2: yeah there's so much happening so there are three and two yeah
0: josephine will be three in on april 9th so in a couple weeks and chloe's 15 months
2: yeah there's i mean things change within like hours
0: when when they're that young so last year when we toured chloe was seven months and josie was two just over two so it's it's just too young to leave them for too long Mm -hmm. so it's great i mean I feel like it's some of our best times is when we're when Scott and I are making music together, and it's great for the girls. they meet new people, you know, they become a little more flexible. um we do you know try and maintain their schedule as much as possible, and I think we did a good job of that. but just learning to be in a new environment and meet people, I mean Josephine is so social. we have so many visitors in our house all the time, and she'll just walk right up to them and just bend their ear about whatever, about her ballet lessons and, and she's wearing a tutu and she'll just start talking to them. And I love that. And so what do you do about your cardiology, your role there when you travel? Can you just put that to the side? My schedule all year round is I work for two weeks and I'm off for two weeks. Wow.
1: So you're full time for two weeks.
0: I'm full time for two weeks, sometimes 12 days in a row. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's pretty intense when I'm there, but then I'm off for two weeks. So generally, when we tour, I just take a week vacation or I'll work three weeks and then take three weeks off. Oh, wow. And that allows me a few days on either end.
1: I guess that's easier than what I would call the traditional part-time schedule, like 20 hours a week.
0: I tried that. When we were in Philadelphia, I worked two or three days a week, and I found the transitions really difficult. It would, it's not as hard to go from being a cardiologist to a mom, but going from a cardiologist to a musician is sort of a hard mental and emotional transition. Because you 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 just automatically have to steel yourself a little bit, as in S-T-E-E-L, like emotionally to get through the day with what I do. And then if you want to write something honest, it, you have to just be completely open. And I found it really hard to go back and forth like that. Because you're dealing with people who are in crisis, I imagine, yeah. mm-hmm. on
2: a frequent basis. Mm-hmm. right?
0: And specifically with what I do, I'm an advanced heart failure and transplant cardiologist. So I deal with people who are... Literally dying. So I asked for the two-week-on, two-week-off schedule as a way to just either be in the medicine mindset or be in the music mindset. And I do like it better. Do you think that 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 job informs your writing? I think being a doctor has been really great for my career as a musician, not just sort of in the skills that it's taught me. You know, it teaches you such hard work. It teaches you when to ask for help. It teaches you how to work collaboratively with other people. I think that's been really beneficial.
1: And and hasn't it kind of worked in reverse as well? I feel like in, I I guess we should mention this, you did Mm -hmm. a TED MD talk in 2015, was it? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, I think, in there that, you know, you just said it, you have to sort of steel yourself when you transition back into that medical mindset. But this also allowed you to kind of recognize the importance of emotions, Mm -hmm. even in that role. Unless I, maybe I'm, misunderstanding it but i thought that's kind of what you were getting no, I at i think in that i
0: think when i was going through my training initially i felt like i had to be strong for everyone all the time and i, I could never show my emotions and that was partly a function of being a young woman in cardiology which is a very male dominated field and feeling like i needed to be tough enough for it but deep down i'm an emotional person i'm an you know i'm a emotional artist type of person. And I found it exhausting to have to suppress my emotions all the time. And as I've gotten older, and I guess just more secure, and as I've, you know, been a musician for longer, I think I've become more comfortable showing my vulnerability in various situations, including at work. I mean, obviously, you still have to be strong. You don't ever want to be in the situation where your patient feels like they have to comfort you but i think to a certain extent everyone appreciates when you can be a real human being and just be honest about how you're feeling yeah absolutely so
2: when did you make the transition to nashville we moved
0: to nashville in 2014 about three years ago a little over three years ago before or after she was born i was seven months pregnant when we moved nice my (laughs) first baby yep in the middle of a snowstorm yep
2: I mean, was it in Tennessee or was that in in, in Pennsylvania in,
0: in Philadelphia? Yeah, the uh, there was a okay. huge snowstorm and I I was out like shoveling snow trying to make room for the um for the moving truck. Of course, yeah. It was I just, just went through that the full catastrophe. <laughs> it was just <laughs> it was chaos. But we've been really happy here.
2: Yeah. So I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, neat. Born and raised, oh. and I spent my I spent. Many of my summers up in Nashville, um, visiting friends and family. Oh, neat. Back when, back when Opryland
0: used to exist. Right, I don't think it exists anymore. Well, mm-hmm. there's Opryland out like it's not. Everything's out near like the Opry Mills Mall now. I don't know where. Okay. I think the original Opry was at the Ryman. Yeah, and now it's all mm-hmm. moved.
2: And so, do you, do you like the
0: the aesthetic of of Nashville? I love it. We live in East Nashville, which is a little liberal haven of freaky musician yes. types like us and young families. So we we just feel like we fit in here more than we ever have anywhere. I've
2: I've seen that featured on Instagram quite a bit.
0: I would say East Nashville. East Nashville there's yeah, yes, mm-hmm. it's kind of a magic place right now. I don't know. There's just a great energy here and. Everyone's so nice. And like I said, when you walk around, it's all artistic musician type of musician or other type of artist people and, and families with young children. So it's, it's, it's kind of the dream.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad place to be for a touring musician who tours with her family. And
0: it's just nice to feel part of a community. You would think with so many musicians, there might be a more competitive environment. But I have found that it's such a supportive and wonderful community. I, I feel like it's less cutthroat even than Philadelphia, and it could be that I was about to ask you. Songwriting that. is a collaborative thing by definition, so if one person does well, automatically other people do well too. You know what I mean? Is it pretty cutthroat in Philadelphia? Would you say that it wasn't cutthroat, but it just wasn't as warm? Welcome to the south. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just maybe, and you know, like up the street every Monday is this club called Song Salon. And songwriters get together and just play each other their new songs and print out their lyrics and they get constructive criticism from their friends. And it's really all inclusive. It's really accepting. There are all different levels of songwriting in it. And it's just a really wonderful thing. And I I have that like a mile from my house every Monday. I I just don't know where else in the world you could find stuff like that.
2: Right. And that's
0: one of the ways that I can still feel active as an artist and feel like I'm growing as an artist without touring all the time.
2: So in writing this new album and producing it, did you do it on your
0: like your weeks off? Is that when you would do it? I started it on my maternity leave and not really intentionally, but I had been in kind of a creative rut from being pregnant and feeling sick all the time and chasing around a toddler and working and all that stuff. I just hadn't been writing much. And I was in this kind of you know, negative spiral of feeling out of practice. So it was just more difficult for me to just get myself to write because I felt out of practice. And it was more difficult to get myself to book co-writes with other writers because I felt out of practice. But as a result, I wasn't writing and I was getting more and more out of practice. So I just forced myself to write a song a week. And I did it as a challenge with one of my friends who lives in Boston. And we just would call each other every week over FaceTime and play each other our new songs. So I just wrote kind of about what was going on, not really intending to ever release them or anything. But um, yeah, so I just ended up writing about what was going on right at the moment and I just made myself book those co-writes even if I felt out of practice and I just made myself dive back in again and we were planning on going on this July tour and come May I had this huge collection of songs that I that I really liked so I decided to put together them put them together in a new album and Scott and I recorded it just at home over the over the course of one of my 2 week off blocks
2: Oh really so you re- you recorded the whole thing in 2 weeks
0: Yeah mhm less than that Nice Wow Just the two of you. Yeah, just the two of us. It was great. It was so much fun.
1: And that was all from just those weekly songs. That was what pulled you out of that. Yep. Mm -hmm. What, I mean, maybe I missed this, but what inspired those? Like, what really convinced you that, okay, it's time to end the rut? I need something. I'm going to write a song a week. Was yeah there an event that took place, or did you just finally wake up someday and decide I need to write? Now.
0: No, there was an event. So Chloe was six weeks old, and I'm a member of this book club, and they were having book club, and I honestly didn't even know what book I was supposed to have read. But I decided to go just to see people because I had a six week old and I hadn't been out of the house much. Um so I showed up to book club, and um the book they had all read was called Big Magic by the woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And it was all. About creativity, and it was about how if you're an artist, you make your art, and you shouldn't have so much regard for whether it's a quote-unquote success or a quote-unquote failure. And um, we just had a really inspiring discussion, and I realized that if I'm a songwriter, I need to write songs, or at a certain point, I'm not a songwriter anymore. It's not like I had not written songs in years, but for me, I was just starting to feel so frozen, and it just allowed me to just write a song even if it was going to be bad cuz i cuz i thought i was out of practice meanwhile the first song i wrote ended up ma- you know being on the album so you just you i don't know i think we sensitive artistic types get so up in our head and so hard on ourselves about our creativity so it was it was really that book club that got me jump started again did you eventually read the book i started i didn't finish
1: it <laughs> <laughs> You didn't finish it. It's it's a it's actually a really good.
0: It's still on my nightstand. <laughs> it's a good... about, about a year and a half later,
1: <laughs> it pairs really well with a book by Stephen Pressfield. Oh, okay, called The War of Art, and I think Liz Gilbert's takes kind of a softer, gentler approach, and. Pressfield is a, a little more of a hard ass, not a lot, but a little bit. And they, they're, but they're both going toward the same thing is that it's just, you just create. Right. Exactly. It's not about the success or the failure or the right. perfection. You just create. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing in Tennessee is that, you know, it's not cutthroat because I think when you surround yourself with people who are creating whatever it is that they're creating just for the love of creating. Yeah. That competition isn't there because you all want to succeed for your own personal reasons, not for fame right. and fortune, but just to do it.
0: I've been amazed at how I, I thought when I moved here, if I asked someone to write a song, it would be a big deal if they said yes. But everyone I meet says, oh, let's write sometime. And then you get together and you just write a song. It's not, you know, it's not like this precious, you know, thing. It's it's really neat.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. You should You should definitely finish it in your free time. <laughs>
0: You okay. Know, all right, I'm in inspi- 3 minutes.
1: Just,
0: uh... <laughs> it is sitting there on my nightstand still, so maybe I'll pick it back up.
2: So you said that you so your children or, or being a mother, I mean, has mm-hmm. that
0: inspired this this music? Oh yeah, this whole album is about love and family. But, you know, so it's partly about my husband, but partly about my kids, partly about being a daughter, mm-hmm. but all of- those things.
1: And that's where that the name comes in, right? Sometimes your dreams find you. I gotta write mm-hmm. this time, I think. Okay.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the name the, the album is named after one of the songs. And that song was written um, that song was written right after I well, if you want to know the full story, so I, w- I had gone on tour with I'd planned this tour for May of a couple years ago. And you plan tours about six months in advance. And little did I know that I was going to be pregnant with Chloe on this tour. And I get so sick when I'm pregnant. So I was in my first trimester of pregnancy. Nobody could know that I was pregnant on this tour. And I get the most sick at night which is when, of course, our shows were. So can you imagine trying to sing when you're ready to throw up anyways, and have to pretend that you don't feel sick? It was so stressful. No. And then I was still, you know, we had Josie with us. So I was playing shows at night, I felt so sick. And then I was up in the morning with Josie. And then we were getting in the car to go to the next show. I mean, it was so exhaust. It was fun. But it was just, we got home, it was a three week tour. And when we got home, I just was ready to break but I had like one or two days off and then I worked 12 days in a row at the hospital no big deal no big deal
1: (laughs) right yeah
0: I had one or two days again and I had booked this co-write with this guy Corby who I had never written with before and we had booked it months in advance and I I just you know it's kind of like having a blind date it's sort of you know a little anxiety provoking to write with someone you've never written before because you don't want to be bad and all that kind of thing. And I cannot tell you how much I did not want to go to this co red I just was so exhausted. I was so nauseated. Um, But I just said, Susie Brown, you have to go to work. You just have to show up and go to work. And anyway, Corby is an awesome guy. And we had a great conversation when I got there and we just were talking about life. And um, I was saying how I never would have imagined my life like this. You know, it's not what I would have necessarily thought was going to make me so happy, but, but look where I am and I'm so happy. You know, I thought I was going to be this high powered academic cardiologist, you mm-hmm. know, and I had such a different life from what I thought I wanted. And yet I'm happier than I ever thought I was going to be. So that's what spread the song. Sometimes your dreams find you.
1: And it's awesome because it's not, I mean, you hear, you hear similar stories where someone is a, an academic cardiologist and they leave that job to do something else. But
0: you, mm-hmm. And some didn't. people are I mean, really happy being academic cardiologists for the rest of your, their lives. And I'm happy for them. It's just not, It just wasn't for me.
1: Right. But it's interesting Both that time. you didn't just leave it. I mean, that's what I was getting at is that some people, they'll just leave right. it and they pursue something else. And that's great. And if they remain a cardiologist, it's great. But somehow you found a way to balance it. And the two careers are totally different.
0: Right. I'm so lucky. I don't know. I love being a cardiologist. I, I would have a really hard time giving up altogether. I just, I would definitely feel a big piece of me missing. So I'm lucky that this schedule works out.
1: It's almost like you can't be one without being the other.
0: Yeah, I would just, I, I feel off balance, you know, in both directions if I'm, you know what I mean? If I'm away from either for a long time, maybe more off balance when I'm away from music, but I still miss the medicine when I'm away from it. And so is this, do you still work for yourself for for, for cardiology? Oh, no, I work at Vanderbilt. I actually do work at a large academic oh, you medical center. work at Vanderbilt.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah my mother my mother mm-hmm. just side note my mother gave up a a uh, scholarship to vanderbilt to marry my father back in 1963
0: oh, really? yeah <laughs> oh those were the yeah. days right
2: oh wow <laughs> she went on to rule the world so she's fine she did okay <laughs> right
1: <laughs> there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care So you still are totally an academic cardiologist, part-time. I totally I mean, am.
0: But I was willing to give it up. My first part-time job was not at a huge academic medical center, but this was sort of my dream job and I just applied for it.
1: Yeah. And loving. I mean, the fact that you can be gone for three weeks, feeling sick, up early in the mornings, up late at night, and still say, it was fun. <laughs> I Honestly, I don't think I'd be able to say that. Well, That's intense.
0: Making music, especially making music with my husband, is just, it's one of the it's one of my most happy places. It's not really like anything else. I found that when, um,
2: with the birth of my first child, especially, I thought that I was going to give up writing because I thought, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to have time. There's no way I'm going right. to have time to do this. And mm-hmm. with the birth of my daughter, my writing intensified and my need to write intensified. Really? Yep. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I wrote, I was still writing about my life, and that was the general theme, but so much of it was informed by my feelings for her and Mm -hmm. my feelings about my role in her life. Um, And it was completely unintentional and involuntary. It was just this natural transformation into my creativity.
0: I love that, though, yeah. I mean, art should be honest, if nothing else. Mm -hmm.
1: I think regardless of what you're creating, it's... It's your way to kind of reflect on yourself and mm-hmm. reflect on the world around and how it's changing as you're changing, mm-hmm. yeah. whether you're writing or painting or singing i mean anything creative i think if you if you pursue it to pursue creative creativity in general, I think that that's what happens,
0: yep, absolutely
2: well i had the, i have a I had a website, and I had written the final post in my head when I was pregnant. I was very sick when I was pregnant too. I hated it. I was so sick. Um, the smell of shampoo, oddly, was it was like the worst smell in the world. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I can barely wash my hair. And I remember so writing like in my head, like this is what I'm going to say for my final post when my daughter's born. And then when she was born, it was like, dude, you guys, I had a baby. This is amazing. <laughs> and, and like I was writing like all the time. I was writing every day. Right. Yeah.
0: That's great. Mm-hmm.
1: And now- as the as the father half of this podcast, mm-hmm. I have to ask, i mean I know scott Scott plays guitar
0: mm-hmm.
1: what what is he doing when you guys aren't recording or touring?
0: He is a professional videographer these days ironically, he had spent basically his whole adult life as a you know as a musician he was in a band called Wanderlust who was signed to a um, RCA and had some other major label deals and then transitioned to be a professional songwriter in LA. Um, and then moved back to Philadelphia and was involved with another project, was touring all the time. And then part of the reason for us to move back to Nashville is for Scott to pursue songwriting again, but he just kind of burned out on songwriting and started, he's always done a lot of video just informally, Uh, but he ended up making a documentary about songwriters and then has transitioned to being a full-time videographer. He still writes for himself and just for fun, Um, but
1: yeah, he's doing video work now. That's a lot of creativity under one roof.
0: Yeah. So you guys all each have all of these part times, <laughs> all of you. <laughs> yeah. It's been great. It's been great. Um, Cause you know, you could spit in any direction and find a songwriter in Nashville, but all those songwriters need electronic press kits and they all need music videos and they all need, you know, to document when they're in the studio. So it's, it's a, great place to do video work. And he loves the kind of shorter feedback cycle of video work as opposed to songwriting. You know, you write a song and it just sits in your hard drive for however long. And then, you know, if someone does actually cut it, it probably doesn't happen for at least a year. And then the album doesn't come out for, you know, six months after that. And then you won't see a single red cent for however long after that. So it's, it's kind of a tough... It's a tough world. So do you release
2: most of your music through CDs, through SoundCloud? Like how how do you distribute?
0: Everything. Just everything that's available. Yeah. Are you available? Anyway. Are you on Apple? Anyway. More success? Apple. Yeah. Apple, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it.
1: Do you find that your audience prefers a certain avenue?
0: It's hard to know how... It's really hard to know how my music is consumed the most. I, I by far sell the most CDs just when I'm touring, physical CDs. Um, and then I know people do listen to me on Pandora and Spotify. Um, but when you get paid, it's hard to know like the number of spins. You don't really get that, so it's hard to know. But I think these days with everything being online and most of it being free, you just have to get your music out there and in any way there is. And touring, touring is is good for income, correct? Mm-hmm. Depending, yeah, if you do it right. It can be, you know, the music, I mean, the music industry is so tough these days because music is pretty much free and there's always YouTube. So it's, you know, it's harder and harder to get people, you know, to just like leave their living rooms, <laughs> put their iPhones down. But I think in folk music, it's a little, it's it's a kinder world. Because people who like folk music like to go see people and like to buy CDs right. in right. general.
1: Yes. They're very attached.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, we don't tour the whole country. We tour basically the Northeast, which is where I've toured my whole career. So we have our small but mighty following in those areas. So I'm not trying to break, you know, I'm not being overly ambitious. But so we just, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, move mountains or break new, ground we're just you know kind of going back to where it's familiar and where we sort of have a predictable following and we can kind of plan things out
2: because you enjoy i'm sure you enjoy the process
0: of playing live in front of an audience we love it and honestly like we've become friends with a lot of our fans like i love seeing those people so it's 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 great Mm -hmm.
1: and that's why i mean you obviously write these songs for you i mean it's an outlet Mm -hmm. for you but Mm -hmm. To see other people enjoy them and to see other people repeatedly enjoying them, you know, coming out to shows multiple times. That just has it's to be the awesome. Best.
0: It's the best. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's the best. It's really the best.
1: So you move CDs at when you tour.
0: Yep, and vinyl. I people... vinyl. I, I don't think I'm okay. going to cut vinyl for this album, but I have two my last two albums on vinyl.
1: It's interesting to me because I like to buy, I mean, I, I have Spotify, but I also like to buy albums, but it's mm-hmm. usually the the digital file mm-hmm. okay. you know on iTunes mm-hmm. and i was just at at a concert a couple of weeks ago and i and i bought a cd and came home and was really excited and i i don't own a single disk drive <laughs>
0: totally anymore. that happens a like, lot of time people's anywhere. cars is people's cars are the only place they have a way to play cd's it's bizarre
1: yeah it's it's weird i mean it, it, i bought the album and i can now listen to the album elsewhere anyway but it, it was really strange to come I hadn't bought a CD in so long and I was excited to open it up and I just realized I have, I have no describes nothing
0: it's so sad because it's a I mean we listen to re- almost exclusively records in our house and my almost three-year-old knows how to take a record out of a sleeve put it on the record player she could put the needle down and press 33 like she could do it um, and there's something so tactile about records you can look at the art and you can take out you know there's just something so physical about it, and it's totally missing in the MP3 world. A whole element of it, it a is. whole el- element of the enjoyment. Oh yeah.
1: Well, I think it's even missing with the CDs. I mean, the mm-hmm. the artwork on albums on vinyl is awesome. Yeah, and then it gets shrunk down for a right. CD, and then it's basically non-existent on an MP3. But that's right. what I love about vinyl.
0: Right. Exactly. But that's the. That's so you're, the you're world not you're not going to do
1: vinyl though this time. I don't think so. I don't think so. You it's, think you'll regret it?
0: <laughs> I mean, I could always do it later. It's just so expensive. <laughs> yeah. It's so expensive um, to yep. press vinyl, and I'm not touring very much. Um, so maybe later, when we tw- we pick up our touring a little bit more.
2: And I guess you won't. Your touring might not change that much when your kids begin school if you do the touring during the summer.
0: Yeah, like summer. I'm thinking like just during their vacations, yeah. we could go. Because once so, when school you know, when school starts, holy shit, the roof comes off the house, man.
2: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: But it will also yeah, just when they're older and I'm not nursing and yeah. that kind of thing, it will be easier to leave them yeah. with someone else. Are you still oh, yeah, nursing? Um, yeah. Oh my god.
2: Yes. The f- yeah. the physical um, demands of not being able to leave your chi- your child for more than a few hours at a time. Yeah. Yes
0: yeah i mean chloe's 15 months at this point so i don't i mean she's fine she eats like a trucker but um but i enjoy it so i'll just keep going for a while she enjoys it and i enjoy it so
1: is the plan down the road to just have an entire musical family so you could all actually tour and perform (laughs) together
0: we were joking because josie can play the kazoo now (laughs) (laughs) so we were joking that she can join the band i mean maybe yeah, if they want. I don't, you know, I want them to just do whatever they want to do. I want them to love music. And beyond that, I have no expectations or de- needs from them. I just want them to love music. And they both do already. Yeah. They
2: love it. My, um, my older daughter has been playing piano since she was seven. And because her father was a classically trained pianist and I played piano as a kid by ear and we thought mm-hmm. we thought we would get we, we would do lessons for a year and see how she took to it and she just she completely mm-hmm. took to it and she's phenomenal and that's great well the the teacher only takes stu- students when they're 7 and so my my younger daughter was coming up on 6 and 7 and trying to figure out what she wanted to do and she had mentioned that she might might want to play the violin or the drums and I was like no <laughs> <laughs> I mean I wasn't that explicit yeah. about it I mean I would have let her bad violin is rough violin <laughs> practice oh, yeah. I don't know if I could survive that So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, bad violin is a rough one yeah
2: but it's she's she's uh taking piano and um, just knowing the, like, the fundamentals of, like, what a, what a whole note is and what a half note is, she's, like, she's, she's really, like, solid on that already. And, um, I feel, cool. yeah, I feel like I'm giving her, I don't know, like, an appreciation of music for me is, like, one of the main things that I wanted to do as a mom.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you just want them to love it. You mm-hmm. know, it just, it's something that, like, you, it's like your friend for life.
2: Yes. We were, we were on, we were driving to school the other morning and, um. Uh, I was like, "Hey, do you guys want me to put on the kids' playlist?" And my my Mm -hmm. thirteen year old said, "But I like the stuff that you listen to." And I was like, "Oh, that's great!" (laughs) So so I there's this song that on one of my playlists it's kind of obscure, and she's like, "I love that one song," and it's kind of weird. And I was like, "This is amazing!" Like,
0: (laughs) that's so (laughs) cool. It's good, and I'm so happy. It's just what you expose them to. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like Josie loves Loretta Lynn. She loves Casey Musgraves. She loves. We had a little Richard dance party at our house last night on her request. She loves Little Richard. It's just what you expose them to, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, yeah, it's all great. We we listen to yes. Rafi too. We listen to it all.
1: It is interesting to see though what you know based on what you expose them to, and then what they end up finding on their own mm-hmm. and deciding they like or dislike. Yeah, that would like be very dislike. interesting.
0: Yep. So far, Josie generally likes more female and likes a kind of country, but she likes rock too. Actually, mm-hmm. she likes country and rock.
1: That's not a bad way to go.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: When you tour for this for this new album, you mentioned the band. Now, I know you've given us the visual setup of you and your husband mm-hmm. and Posse, but do you tour with additional band members? How do you
0: no, we don't. work
1: that? Sometimes
0: okay. if we play with a full band, we'll just um, hire a band that's in that. We pretty much will only do a full band show in Philadelphia, and we just hire okay. musicians from Philadelphia.
1: Okay. And is that because you kind of know the, the Philadelphia scene? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay.
0: And, yeah. Mhm. And Scott and I we kind of can be a full band together cuz he plays guitar and does foot percussion and I play the bass. So, we kind of have it all between the two of us.
2: And I I really like what you said about, you know, you're not trying to like necessarily like expand through all of America. There's this one place where you like to go and do live music and tour because of the actual act of Playing in front of an
0: audience, like that's what brings you I mean, the most joy. It would be impossible to try and break new ground at this stage of my mm-hmm. life, you know. And um I think it would just make me miserable to try and do something that's logistically impossible. Yeah. So we just like do what's possible, so we can still do it.
1: It. All, I mean, it all comes back, yeah, and it all comes back to the expectations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to try and strain yourself to to do something more, I think it's almost even if you were to be successful in doing that it would be so hard that you would i think you'd risk losing the joy in it
0: yeah unless i book the tours the way i book them which is no more than 4 hours of driving a day and plenty of days off mm-hmm. it really wouldn't be fun it would be so stressful it would be stressful on the kids it would be stressful on us so there's no point to do it if it's not going to be fun right
1: yeah definitely and the, the new album you said is about love and family
0: mhm yep right
1: it, can you walk us kind of through it i mean I always think that albums tell the story. That's why they're in the order that they're in. Oh. I mean, is um, there, does this, and that's not always the case.
0: It's not really rock opera style in that way. They're kind of all mixed up. But um, yeah, there's, yeah, it's just a mixture of love songs and songs about being a mom and songs about being a daughter.
1: You're covering all bases. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I will,
2: you, John, um, Jex, sorry. trying to remember your name how could i not remember john (laughs) when you like especially when you have a having a daughter and this may be when you have a son as well when you have a daughter for me what it did was immediately my understanding of my mother increased a hundredfold oh gosh yeah, and Mm -hmm. i were i think and I was, you know, emotional, and I was still going through know, the hormones of just having a child. And I remember just sobbing a couple of days after my daughter was born and saying, "Mother, I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so so sorry, Mom." You know what I thought? I was like, "Wow, I can't believe that she loved me this much." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just like the love you have for your children. Oh my goodness! And you just understand you can't believe like that you mean that much to somebody else. Mm -hmm. I just, that was my thought like, wow, I can't believe they love me this much. (laughs) And that they would still love me after I put them through all of that. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think for me, it came the appreciation for the relationship I had with my dad Mm -hmm. came as my son got older, not so much when he was really little, Mm -hmm. but as he got older, I mean, he'll be 13 in three days and yeah. And it's, you know, watching that, that change and watching him kind of go from being a kid to being a, you know, a human being, an adult, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's given me a tremendous appreciation for the relationship that I had and continue to have with my dad and, you know, kind of what he did for me because kids at this age are interesting. Right. It's a fascinating (laughs) time.
0: So I hear.
1: (laughs) But you've you've got some fun years to go through yeah. before you get there, so yeah, it'll be fine.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm still getting email from people who who want me to advertise diapers and in bottles, and my children are 13 and seven. And sometimes I'll oh, just that's I'll think about it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I lived through that. <laughs> I lived yeah. through all of that. I lived through that war. Yeah, we're still yep. in it. Yes, you are, and you're and you're touring while doing it, <laughs> and being oh, a yeah. cardiologist at the same
1: time.
0: <laughs>
1: just a casual side note there, twelve days in a row yeah. that's nuts. I give you an unbelievable amount of credit just for the energy alone and the fact that one of those jobs requires creativity, which is just a totally different different part of the brain, a different energy altogether.
0: Well,
2: thank you. It's amazing. Well, and the other requires her to steal herself in a way that you know, that's a lot of energy as well. Sealing yourself in a way that mm-hmm. you have to be present and and uh, emotionally stable for those who are around you. Yep. Damn. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, to to kind of bring that full circle and talk. I mean, it's interesting that you had tried two or three days a week because that would be just an emotional roller coaster to try and open up for songwriting and then completely close down or at least mostly close down to be a cardiologist and then open up again just from one day to the next
0: i couldn't do it i mean i could but i just i didn't like it it was too hectic
1: no that would be straining i think Mm -hmm. it seems like you could you could do it for a while but eventually it would just be too much of a mental juggle
0: And I thought it was sort of crazy to ask for a two-week-on, two-week-off schedule, but I figured I may as well ask. And it turns out the way that physician schedules are made, um, the way it works, it was actually much better for them for me to be two weeks on, two weeks off than to be a few days a week. Oh, nice. So it it worked out for both of us. Nice.
1: That's awesome. Go
0: Vanderbilt. It just shows you you have to ask. You never know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yeah, the worst thing I could do is say no. Right.
2: Exactly. We've talked about that before, John. You just have to ask. It's the asking that we so sometimes mm-hmm. desperately need to learn yeah. how to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you mentioned right early on in this episode, Susie, that you know you can't do it without help. And we've had an entire episode about asking for help mm-hmm. and just being okay with that. And it's it's easy to do, just hard to get yourself there.
0: I, I just forget to do it. I'm just in this mode of like trying to just take care of everything. And then sometimes I feel like I'm ready to blow. And then I realize, like, oh. There's no reason that I have to do like seven of these 10 things. I could totally ask Scott to help me or my nanny to help me or any, you know, or whoever else. I just, sometimes I forget. Mm -hmm. I have to keep reminding myself. And when you do ask for
2: help and it.
1: Yeah. Just because you can do it. Right. Doesn't mean mean I should.
2: should. Yeah. And when that help comes through, you're just like, whoa, this is amazing.
0: That was amazing. amazing. I know. Mm -hmm. Life got just a little simpler. Oh my God. I know. I know.
1: So to uh, to recap, actually, I don't know that we we kind of addressed this. So the album is coming out May twelfth. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your dreams find you. Yes, is the album.
0: That's correct.
1: And it's available basically, you know, anywhere people stream or find their music. Mm-hmm. And do you can people also buy CDs from your sure. website?
0: Yep, they can buy them from my website. They can buy them from Bandcamp, and they can buy them from CD okay. Baby. Oh, nice.
1: So okay.
0: Yeah. And it'll be available for pre-sale on iTunes at the beginning of of um, of April. And will you be touring oh, awesome. so you can okay. pre-order it? Will you be touring for it? And we will be touring um, in late July, early August in the Northeast. Nice. In the Southeast and Northeast, I should say. We will definitely yep. k- keep our audience abreast of when that's happening. That would be great. Yeah, I will be posting tour dates as they're confirmed. Okay. It's a work in progress. Yeah, we'll
1: try to watch for those so we can share those with our audience great. as well. Great. Thank
0: you. That would be great.
2: This is an exciting time for you.
0: It is. It is. It's a lot going on. It's a little crazy. (laughs) It's it's great. (laughs) Thank you for taking the
2: time out of your busy schedule to talk with us.
0: Well, thank you for Mm -hmm. having me.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, this has been great. You managed to find the joy despite all of the chaos. It's awesome.
0: I think a lot of joy requires at least some chaos. Mm -hmm. Agreed.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I
0: realized that actually a long time ago that I never ever want to be a position in a position where my house is immaculately clean and everything is checked off to my to do list because I would be so bored. It means it would mean that I'm not having nearly as much fun, nearly enough
1: fun. Well, I think with two kids at the age that they are, safe to say that will not happen for at least the next fifteen. Years.
0: Yeah, there's no da- there is absolutely <laughs> zero danger that my house will ever be immaculately clean again. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> If anything, because of my husband, not even my kids, but that's a different story. <laughs> oh, there, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> the truth is, it's not that important. Right. <laughs> I'd rather write a song than clean the kitchen. <laughs> yes. And that's the choice you have to make. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Well, what we can do is we can have readers who have readers. There
2: I go again. Um, listeners who have questions for you, they can they can send us questions or and talk to us Uh stories at manicramblings.com and they can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at manic ramblings great
0: yes thank you so much again
1: and thank Susie, you. are they able to follow you on social platforms as well
0: yes i'm on facebook as uh, Susie brown songs and um actually i think my facebook the, my music Page is Susie Brown Music Page, and then I'm on Instagram as Susie Brown Songs, Twitter as Susie Brown Songs, I'm on um, YouTube as Susie Brown Songs, and I think that covers it. And my website is SusieBrownSongs.com. Awesome.
1: Awesome, yeah. Well, everyone should everyone should check that out. Please do. And give a listen. There's a lot mm-hmm. to listen to on your website too.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a great way to introduce.
2: And that's S-U-Z-I-E,
0: correct? Yep. S-U-Z-I-E, brown like the color. Awesome. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you again, Susie. We really, really appreciate it. It was an excellent conversation.
0: Thank you guys, too. And good luck with the album. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much.
2: Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff.